0: Good morning, I am the Reverend Dr. Pamela Robinson, and this is the Lotus Flower Podcast. This morning, we have a very special guest with us, and her name is Leah. And Leah is a highly motivated teenager from Southern Florida that happens to be my cousin. This morning, we're going to talk with Leah about the topic of self-discipline. Self-discipline, meaning control, self-reliant, to be independent, and to be driven. Without discipline, there's no life at all, by Katherine Helpern. Good morning. Good morning, Leah. Good morning. And welcome. We're super excited to have you be a part of the broadcast again, and we're so excited to have you share with us on the topic of self-discipline. I'd like to start by, uh, by sharing with our listening audience and with, with you this, uh, this scenario. It talks about um, some students that were in a classroom, and the students in the classroom were learning about self-discipline. They were learning to find out if discipline was something that they had within them or it was something that came from the outside of them. So the scenario goes like this. It says, have you ever been in a classroom when the teacher steps out for a few moments, the teacher is barely out the door when one student starts entertaining the other students, they're telling all kind of jokes. They're writing uh, cartoon figures on the blackboard. They're, they're throwing paper wads all over the room. And then suddenly, when all this is going on, in the midst of it, the teacher appears in the room. And when she comes into the room, those children, they all begin to sit down and pretend as though nothing had went on. You should have saw the look on their faces, Leah. Does this sound familiar a little bit? Have you ever been in a situation like that, Leah? Yes, ma'am. Well, I would like to share a contrasting story. Uh, A friend of mine who's a teacher in uh, the Southern Illinois area, she was on her way to school one morning, and all of a sudden there was a a snowstorm that it dumped over two feet of snow all over the highway when she was trying to drive into work. And and this delayed her getting into school for about two hours. She was late. Um, So she called the school and she told him she was on her way. And when she showed up, the principal greeted her there and told her, you didn't even have to come in because I already had gotten someone to take care of your class. And she said, the kids, they're already down in the room doing their schoolwork themselves. And I want to ask you, Aaliyah, what do you think the difference was in this uh, story? Um, The first story, the students seem as though they couldn't control their behavior. And then in that second story, It seems as though those students were already in control of their behavior and their choices. What do you think that um, might've been? What do you think could have been going on there?
1: Um, I think that the teacher may have taken more control over her classroom and the students knew their place with their teacher, which created a form of self-discipline and respect between the students and the teacher.
0: Okay, thank you. And, and then um, with those students that were out of control, because there was no teacher in that classroom at that point that knew them, and so that teacher did not have a relationship with, with them as their teacher did that was uh, late and had, had just shown up. Do you think it, that it mattered at all if, that, uh, stu- if those students had a relationship with the teacher? No, ma'am. Do you think they might have shown more respect to the person if, if if, they thought, well, then, you know, we know her and she knows us. And so we're going to give her more respect. We're going to not throw spit wads and, and jump all around because of our respect for this person. Do you think that that makes a difference at all? Or would it to you if you were in that situation?
1: Yes, ma'am. Um, I think it does make a difference. Um, maybe because like you have a personal relationship with someone and you have more of an effect on them because you probably know mutual people and you know who that person is to you. So you have like a different level of respect with like your normal teacher versus like a teacher that's just stepping in to help.
0: Would you say that their, their discipline came from without Or do you think that their discipline came from within them? Um,
1: I think it's both because without, then it's just like, well, I think it's both because when you're, can you restate the question, please?
0: I said, um, do you think that those students that were unruly, do you think that they had discipline that was already within them, and so they already knew just how to behave, or do you think that, that that discipline that they lacked was something that was was not even within them at all, that they had never been taught that, or they might have just rejected it, the teaching that maybe their parents or their teachers were giving them?
1: So I do think it's both, because But it's also based on what their peers are doing, because when you read the scenario earlier, you were talking about that it started off with just one kid getting up and then that one kid influenced all the rest of the kids. So it was kind of like maybe like a peer pressure moment. And then also it's kind of like maybe your teachers and your parents taught you what to do and what not to do. But at that time, you just kind of ignored it. So then you're thinking about the fun in the moment.
0: Exactly. And and I like the way you pointed out the peer pressure part of it, because even though our our parents or our teachers and our our pastors and our leaders might teach us to have self-discipline when we're under that peer pressure, we know that peer pressure is definitely something that's very strong, especially among teenagers, that they sometimes will give in under the pressure and they'll start doing things that they wouldn't ordinarily do. Yes. yes. Um, To go a little bit further, um, I want you to think about when, when you were young, very young, maybe in elementary school, and I know that when you're very young like that, your parents tell you everything to do and they nearly do everything for you as well. But, but think about now that you're growing older and you're 15 and you're getting ready to transition into school, to high school and all, and that this time in your life, I would imagine that your parents are giving you more responsibility, are, are they? Yes, ma'am. And uh, when I think that they're giving you more responsibility, I, I would think it's, it's happening because they are trusting you more with what they have taught you. When you were a little ch- child, I'm sure they taught you right from wrong, and they taught you to have self-respect and to be self, self-reliant self and to have some self-restraint and what I call delay gratification, not having to need everything instantly. Um, So when when we depend on other people to determine our behavior and always be in charge of of our willpower and our won't power, we're like a pawn on the chessboard uh, waiting for someone to move us around and all. Now, our our parents, most of them are very wise and they understand this. And so they know that it comes a time in our lives that they've got to give us more power and more freedom. And when doing this, it's a case by case decision because some children, even though they might be 15, they may still be behaving as though they're seven. And some children when they're 15, they may be very responsible and behaving as a 15 year old would. So these things are a case by case basis. When we think about, self-discipline. Now, when you think about self-discipline and, and your parents trusting you at this time in your life, would you say that your parents have began to give you more responsibilities and trust you more with the decisions of your own life? Or would you say that they still are a little bit more re- reserved in that area with you and if and why?
1: Um, I feel like with my mom, she gives me more, like, responsibility. She gives me more freedom. But with my dad, it was like, when I was little, I got a whole bunch of freedom. I got a whole bunch of, like, responsibilities and everything. But now that I'm getting older, then he's kind of treating me like I'm little now. So with my dad's kind of flip flop. so yeah.
0: And why do you think that is with both of them? With your mom first and then with your dad?
1: Um. Well, when even now, my dad's always at work. So when I was little, he like he's seen me grow up, but it was kind of like it was only like I got to see him a couple days out of the week, and then he was at work, and then when he comes home, then he eats, and then goes to bed. So it was like he had this tight schedule, and then I just grew up, and then now I'm fifteen. And he's trying to teach me about things that either my mom, school or just life in general has already taught me. And it's just like he's kind of babying me now that I'm older when he should have been doing that when I was younger. Let
0: me see. And so so it sounds to me as though he he realizes that now that you're getting older and, and you're 15 and 18 will come really fast. That now he's yes, realizing ma'am. that he's got to really begin to invest that time in into you because in a blink of an eye, you'll be gone off to college.
1: Yes, ma'am.
0: Now, with with your mom, you said that she is doing just the opposite. And so why do you think that is with her?
1: Um, well, my mom has always like, she's always been kind of like free with me. So she would give me like options when I was little I don't know like my I've never like really been baby that's I feel like that's the reason why I'm so mature as people call me but I've never really been babied by either of my parents and so my mom knows that and she knows that if she treats me like a little baby then I'll probably get mad so she gives me more like options and she trusts me around like boys and stuff because she knows my mindset and that I won't do anything wrong. She trusts me around the friends that I hang around because she knows that eventually if I think that they're a bad influence that I'll get out of that situation. So I feel like my mom knows me more and knows the way that I think at a level.
0: And which which style would you say that you would prefer? Your dad's style or your mom's style?
1: I would say definitely my mom's style.
0: And when you, when you say that, when I think of of both of those styles, I think of a teeter-totter and a teeter-totter, you know, you've got a, one person had to be on one side and another person has to be on the other side. And in order to get that a teeter-totter to balance out you got to get the weight just right so it can't be too heavy on one side or the other person can't be down too low I remember when I was a kid i just love doing that teeter-totter but I was the one that always would fall off because I was the lighter lighter one now I'm likening this to to the their parents and all in other children's parents that might be listening and teenagers that might be listening to our podcast this this morning that um we've got to have a healthy balance there however so dad could be the heavyweight on the teeter-totter if you think of it this way and mom could be the the lighter weight on the other side of that teeter-totter and you could actually be the one right there in the middle of the board and they're trying to balance you out so sometimes dad might be a little bit too high and causes mom to fall off. Sometimes mom may be a little bit too high and causes dad to fall off. And so you right there in the middle are just wobbling all around, trying to figure this thing out. Where are they going with this and and how are they directing my life? But I want to assure you that, that it balances out. Your dad means well and your mom means well, but they've got to do this little dancing routine like on a teeter totter to balance things out and it gets smooth. I like it to say that we've all gotta have a few more birthdays. That means we've all had to mature in some areas of our lives, even parents, in order to learn how to smoothly balance that out, that area of discipline in in the lives of our children. And you have some wonderful uh, parents there, as do a lot of our uh, people that are listening on the podcast have wonderful parents. I know it's a difficult time sometimes, however, when children are transitioning from being um, youth, going over into being a teenager and all. It's a whole new world. And that's where self-restraint comes in at. Self-restraint is what happens to us when things, occur that are unpredictable or in tempting situations, like um, you hold your fist back when someone shoves you, or you hold your tongue back when someone insults you. You can even put the brakes on your thoughts when a harmful idea or thought pops into your head. So using restraint, it doesn't mean that you let people just pick on you or walk all over you. You can still be assertive and stick up for yourself, but you don't act impulsively in ways that will hurt you or someone else. You behave in a respectable manner no matter what, having that self-restraint. Can you tell me a a, a time in your life where you might have had to exercise self-restraint in a situation that you thought, maybe I should just go out, go off, like they said, go get in the, the wrong lane and just kind of read them the the riot act tell me about a time just kind of think about it in your life where you had to show a little bit more self-restraint and and what did you do
1: um well there's actually a couple of times but one time there was a girl and she had been like bullying me for the longest time but she looked perfect. So everybody thought she was perfect. And her little sister was my best friend. And so she would or like this boy for whatever reason. And so she would like hang out with the boy and tell the boy things about me. And then turn in turn, the boy didn't like me anymore. And then she would go back and tell her little sister on me and everything and then her little sister was like why don't you like me and my sister i was like well because you guys are mean and then so it started a whole bunch of drama and then one time i seen the girl and she bumped into me and looked at looked at me and rolled her eyes and i wanted to punch her i wanted to scream at her i wanted to tell her everything that had been on my mind for like the last year because they've been doing that for the last year but I had to hold back. I had to think about what would happen to me because in reality, I would be the one to throw the first punch. So I would be the one in the wrong.
0: And you were able to pull back because of something internal that stopped you from doing it? Yes. You, it was maybe an internal type of uh, restraint that stopped you from yes, doing sir. it? Could you give that that internal restraint a name? What could have been? I, what, I don't know. And what I mean by that is, you know, I know that myself being being a Christian, I know that the Holy Spirit helps me at times when I want to cross the line and make a bad decision that even being taught from a kid on up to to rely on, on the Holy Spirit I, I will call on the Holy Spirit in and then and, and the Lord will step in and, and help me get through a situation that I know that is definitely outside of, of my me and all. So um, I um, would call if you'd ask me I would call mine being helped from the lord or help from the holy spirit i know that sometimes as kids they think they can hear the sound of their mom or dad's voice inside of their head saying you you better not do that or you don't you know if you do that then you're gonna da 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 this is gonna happen or this is gonna happen to you so they they kind of have that fear in them it's a reverence, not a fear like they're so f- afraid they're going to do something horrible to them, but a reverence, that type of fear. Do you think that maybe when you're going through these situations that some of that might come into play to stop you from crossing over the line?
1: Yes, ma'am, but um, I don't know why, but my the voice that I hear isn't my parents' voice. It's kind mm-hmm. of like, even like when I'm, singing a song like there's this song that I sang for you when you came here there when I first sang that song when I first like learned it on the guitar and everything and I was singing it seriously it was one Sunday morning I was in quarantine and it was like a calming voice like it wasn't my parents voice it wasn't anybody's voice that I know it was like kind of like a deep voice uh, from a man maybe but it was just a very like soothing voice that puts in my mind so I I don't know why it's not my parents but yeah my voice is definitely someone else's but yeah
0: okay but there but there but you there is a voice there that stops you and that's good because there's got to be something there yes, and um and then when I think about the word self-reliance which means that you always have someone that you can count on which is you when you're home alone and feeling hungry you don't wait for your parents to return and fix you something to eat do you
1: definitely not you you what do you do i just fix my own
0: (laughs) food. that's exactly right and then when you wanted to learn how to play that guitar that you that you play so beautifully leah you you know, you um needed to have lessons. I don't know if you needed to take lessons or you taught yourself to play. Did, did you take lessons or did you teach yourself to play play your guitar?
1: I taught myself.
0: And when you taught yourself to play the guitar, did your mom and dad have to motivate you to, to do your um your lessons and teach yourself, or does that something that you pushed your own self to do?
1: That's something that I push my own
0: to do. And the reason I'm I'm asking you this is because that is called self-reliance, it means that you knew that you wanted to learn to play that guitar. And you knew that someday that you would be an excellent guitar player, as I believe you are now. And however, in order to do that, you have to depend on yourself and you have to motivate yourself to do that. Your parents could could tell you to do it, or maybe they could tell you you're doing a wonderful job, or even your siblings, or your peers, or people at your church, or anyone in your circle of influence. But at the end of the day, it all counted on you. You had to be self-reliant in order to make that happen. Can you tell me when you were learning to play the guitar, was it something that you were highly motivated about and it came easy or was it something that you know you were motivated about but maybe there was so many other things going on with your own schedule with school and sports and church and everything that you do that maybe it was somewhat hindered and um the lessons went lacking I don't know but when you were learning how how did it go for you how did how were you how motivated were you to do that
1: um I was I was actually really motivated when I first started playing the guitar but then of course I've so I would like play my guitar in my room for hours and hours and hours trying to learn my chords then I would hear my brother walk past my room and be like oh stop playing like you suck blah 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 and that actually like kind of motivated me more to play it and to actually get good at it and everything and then what helped was quarantine, actually, because I could sit in my room for hours and play my guitar and not have to worry about school, about volleyball, about having to play my other instruments or anything. I could just focus on my guitar.
0: Oh, that's excellent. And that, you know, I like how you... In, in as a as a therapist myself i use the term with some of my clients called reframe and that means you take a take a situation that appears one way and you turn it another way and i like what you did you reframe your situation in terms of the quarantine that you were going through you took that quarantine and you said yes it's a time where i'm I'm stuck here and I there's nothing I can do and I could just sit here bored. But instead, you took that time and you turned it into into time that paid you. You made your time, your downtime pay you by saying, I'm going to take advantage of this time and use it for structure in terms of getting myself prepared so that I can focus on my guitar lessons and you even tuned your brother out when he was saying yes okay this you suck so stop playing so you even were able to reframe his negative comments into positive you you use his negative comments and as a way to motivate you to even practice harder how did how did you actually um how were you actually able to take those those things that could have easily turned into something negative and reframe them into something positive to push you further into practicing, Leah?
1: Um, I have a mindset of, I'm going to prove you wrong. So it's like, whenever someone tells me that I can't do something, then it's like, at first, I'm like, okay, well, let me figure out how they did it. or figure out how someone else did it and then it's just like I'm gonna go and I'm gonna practice I'm not gonna go brag about it I'm not gonna be like oh well I'm gonna go upstairs and practice my guitar now because you said I was wrong I'm gonna quietly practice everything and then so it's just like whenever you're least thinking about it whenever you oh, Leah still sucks at the guitar and I break out my guitar and I start playing you're like oh she got better so that's how like I think about my life. It's like, I'm going to prove you wrong. I'm going to prove you wrong. I'm going to prove myself wrong. So it's like, that's how I practice. That's how I get motivated to practice. And at least when I come, I might not be as good as Shawn Mendez as playing the guitar, but I want to be better than the old Leo was.
0: That's excellent. And I know that there are young people and there are Everyone that's listening to this podcast, not only a young people that can benefit from what you said in terms of being able to take a situation that could be framed in a bad light and reframe it into a good light. And that's a lesson that I want our podcast listeners to walk away with today, that you can reframe something that appears to be going in one direction by using self-discipline. Now, Leah, I want to ask you about um, sports. I know that you play, play several sports. And, and can you tell us what sports do you, do you play at this time? Or have you played?
1: I have. I've been softball for a little while. And right now I'm playing football and basketball. And I might try out weightlifting.
0: And I, and I believe that you are have been or you are on a traveling uh, volleyball uh, team, or, yes, ma'am. you know, can you tell me what that entails? Ma'am? Can you tell, tell our listening audience what a traveling bo- volleyball team is or what that entails?
1: So I play for a traveling club team So it's like the older you get and the better you get, then you get to travel to like different states or different tournaments. So last year, I went to Savannah and then I had a couple tournaments in Daytona, Orlando. So it really just depends. And like, you can have tournaments all the way over in Spain, or you can have tournaments in New York. It really just depends on how good you are and the team that you play for.
0: And when you think about the sports that you play, which sport would you say requires the most discipline to play out of those that you told us that you participate in?
1: Volleyball, definitely.
0: Volleyball. <clears> throat> and throat> give, give me a reason or reasons for your answer. Why do you think that volleyball requires the most self-discipline
1: volleyball everybody thinks it's easy but when you play it competitively you have to be very precise with everything like and you have to think fast you have to think through like tough situations and everything and so while a 90 mile per hour ball is coming towards you you have to think about okay where's my setter where do I need to deflect the ball to where it'll go to my setter, and at a perfect height to where she can get it, set it and then hit the, like gets to hit the ball so it's just like everything is very very precise everything has to go in a perfect way or the play will just completely mess up you have to make sure not to step out of the court if you're in a certain position you have to make sure not jump if you're in a certain position don't touch the net. It's just like a whole bunch of factors mixed into one, and then at the same time, every bit of time has to be perfect, or you're going to mess up.
0: So that requires that requires, I would imagine, a lot of self discipline. Yes, ma'am. yes. Would you say that yes, your teammates, you all play together, and also? are you united in in your in the area of discipline being able to know which what this team member is going to do and then what this person is going to do so that you all can actually reach the goal of winning or is it more individual when you're on that playing the volleyball?
1: It's definitely like a group effort. So you can tell a team that really is like individual because they'll be falling all over the place and like a big things that every coach that I've had in volleyball is you have to talk you have to talk you have to talk like I've had to run for hours because my teammates or I didn't talk so it's just like we have to have this self-discipline to where if someone says that that's my ball I'm going to go get it then you have to step off that ball because she has a better angle or maybe she's going to do something better with it and you have to have if you call the ball say oh that's mine I'm going to go get it then you have to have the self-discipline that you have to make sure that you're timing it perfectly to where you're going to get there you're going to make a good play and everything's going to be fine so it's it's definitely a group effort, but it causes a lot of self-discipline within yourself because you have to know your place and everybody else's place at the same time.
0: Well, that's great. Now, does it take more self-control to play an individual sport or a team sport, would you say?
1: A team sport.
0: And why, why do you say that?
1: Um, I say a team sport because you're not only dealing with yourself you're dealing with other people so when someone's serving then I have to think about where is she serving at and I have to talk to someone who I'm around so it's like I have to think about all these different factors within playing with someone else versus if I'm playing myself like If I'm playing volleyball by myself, then if I hit it in a certain spot, I know where it's going to go and everything. So it's just like, there's more factors in playing with a team than playing by yourself. So there's more discipline in playing with a team than playing by yourself.
0: That's true. And do you prefer playing with the team or do you prefer playing by yourself? when when you're actually uh, doing a sport
1: a team because you build like a different type of relationship build a different type of respect and you, sometimes I noticed this year that I don't respect myself the way that other people respect me I don't think of myself the way other people because when I played with my last team and they were like, oh, you're so good, blah, 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 while I was sitting at my house thinking, oh, I suck, I wish I was as good as this person, blah, 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 but they're thinking the same way about me. So it's like, when you play with the team, you get a different for yourself and you think about yourself in a different way.
0: That, that's so true. And, you know, it's so good to be able to do what I call self-analogy to be able to look internally at your own self and see your weaknesses and see where you can do improvements at. And to be self-aware, to be so young at 15, to be aware of these things, I I think it's just just phenomenal. And I'm glad that you are sharing this because there are so many young people out here, especially the listening to the podcast this morning, that you know are feeling this way as a teenager. They're comparing themselves with other people. The Bible tells, tells us that when we compare ourselves against someone else, that with that we're not wise. And so the grass might appear greener on the other side of the fence. But just because it's green and bright and, and looks lively, that doesn't tell you what type of fertilizer those people are using. That means that they could be pouring all kinds of stuff on that grass to make it green, and I'm likening that to life experiences. People that appear as though they got it going on, they could, they could have all kinds of stuff going on behind the scenes that's making them appear as though they've got it going on. So I'm glad that you were able to sit back and and look and and say, oh yes, you know, I'm comparing. I'm saying I'm not as as good as them and but they were saying the same thing about themselves and probably about me as well that's that's a really good analogy to have to have that self-awareness and then at the end of the day to accept yourself to have high self-esteem you know
1: and Mm -hmm. to be able
0: to take control and take charge of your own life is what we talked about that's the whole premise of having self-discipline Self-discipline means once again to have self-control, to be self-reliant, to be independent, to have a strong sense of who you are and knowing that within you lies what it's going to take to make a good person, an overall good person that makes those good choices in life. Now, I appreciate your time this morning and I appreciate your talking transparently with the listening audience. And it is my hope that people are actually able to grasp what we spoke about this morning, the concepts that we spoke about being, being able to be self, having self-restraint and having uh, self-discipline, being able to delay gratification, being able to make good choices, been able to, to decide whether or not what my, my discipline, whether it come is it internal or is it external and all. So I really hope that our listening audience gained something from our conversation this morning. And I want our audience to know that Leah will be a regular on our podcast once a month. She'll be talking about issues that are currently affecting youth. So, be sure to tune in to the Lotus Flower podcast. We we air on Spotify, on Wix.com, RSS feed, and Google Podcast. Leah, do you have anything you'd like to say before we close the podcast? No, ma'am. Thank you again for being our guest this morning. And we pray and hope that you would have a blessed sunshiny prosperous day, Leah, as well as our listening podcast audience. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. And we will be sure to post Leah's podcast interview so that you can listen to it 24 hours a day, seven days a week at your leisure. Bye-bye
1: for now.